they make it like Wild Thing, Charlie Sheen, a relief pitcher. He's a relief pitcher. <laughs> makes them great. Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. everybody welcome to the sincast this is chris atkinson from cinema sins joined as always by the voice of cinema sins jeremy scott hello there and from music video sins barrett share howdy and today we are actually in a real studio it's so cozy in here it yeah. is cozy and i can see your faces yes you're not wearing pants no nope i i mean that's the way i would do it normally so why wouldn't i do it in front I of you yeah, yeah, we're on a roll keep it the same yeah um so uh, as long as you guys don't look down you'll be good <laughs> um i'm up here <laughs> yeah guys my eyes right here man <laughs> but uh yeah it's uh it's been long in coming but we finally got there and um it's uh it's pretty awesome i think and i i think we'll have um you know we'll have uh last time we were all together we tried to do it with uh all in the closet yeah. and uh <laughs> and a little different and it was a it was a weird uh experience but uh, i think this is uh, a lot better so we don't uh, talk about that anymore we don't we don't talk about that anymore um but um uh today we're gonna continue our series of uh best of the years we've been alive and uh today we're gonna be talking about 1988 it's showtime Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Just love yourself, baby. I faked every orgasm. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Disappointed! 1988 is not a great year for great movies, Mm -hmm. but it is a great year for, like, comedies and and action movies and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, right off the bat, Die Hard. It yeah, yeah. came out in 1988, a movie I still think is probably the best action movie to come out in the last 30 years, right? It's, it's got to be up there. Yeah. I mean, it's it's everything that's come after it has been shaped by it. So its greatness cannot be denied. But we were talking earlier, it's not a great year for like great movies, but it's a great year for good movies. Yeah. Like decent, enjoyable. It's mm-hmm. pretty deep yeah. in the B movie a minus range right yeah absolutely i mean um some some really good comedies uh coming to america yeah is uh one of my favorites yeah um, talk about rewatchable that's that's got so many quotes from it from the soul glow commercial and from you know uh, arsenio hall's uh banter with uh, eddie murphy and then eddie murphy's banter with himself yes especially in the barbershop scenes that oh are yeah like some of the funniest things that i've i've ever seen oh yeah. they're fantastic and i just i love that scene too where he's He's going to go on a date with Lisa and he comes out onto that stoop and there's two kids outside and he's like, I am going to have a date with Lisa tonight. <laughs> and, he's, and the kids are just looking at him like, <laughs> it's one of my favorite, my favorite parts in any movie. Also, uh, as far, I mean, if you want to talk huge, huge movie, and this is no, um, you know, no pun intended or anything, but big. Yeah. Came yeah. out in 1988. I believe it was. No, it wasn't. I don't think it was the number one box office hit. I think Rain Man was, um, <laughs> which we'll, we'll have to talk about Rain Man at some point, too. But Love Big. What do you think about that? Oh, it's great. It's great. Well, and it was, I mean, certainly Tom Hanks had plenty of hits um, leading up to this. But this is sort of the defining Tom Hanks 
this is what made him a huge star. Yeah, it took him to A list, um, and he's never left it since. And I, I love that movie. I, it's so family friendly. Um, probably not the first kid in an adult's body or adult in a kid's body body swap kind of thing. We've certainly seen plenty since then, about seventeen of them. Um, but um, it's just great. It holds up really well. I think I just saw it. Uh, like a couple months ago. <laughs> it's like it was made for 1988 Tom Hanks because it's got the man child thing and, yeah. you know, he could act kind of both ways, which is, you know, really his persona and right, especially in that in that time frame. So it was, it was like tailor made for him, basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy Big. And it's it's a it's a perfect fantasy, especially when you're that age and you want to be older and you want to, you know, you want, you know, the things that you want. And he, he puts himself basically in the position of power to get to that point. Yeah. You know? just by accident, of course. But uh, but still, it's just a fun movie. And and uh, I love just how he he goes into these board. He, he's you know, he's making toys. It's mm -hmm. like the best job a 12 year old yeah. could have, you know? <laughs> and he's like, he's like coming up with all these ideas and I'm like, yeah, that's right. They basically in big, the corporation has their, uh, their test audience in there. They just don't know, mm -hmm. you know, but, uh, yeah, love big. Uh, yeah, it's any, got that. It's got that iconic, uh, floor piano scene. Yes. with Robert Loja. With right? Robert Loja. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's awesome. Oh yeah. This uh, was uh, a really good year for, uh, for baseball movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Specifically, Bull Durham and Eight Men Out. Oh, yeah. Both came out in 88. And, yeah. And I was putting together my rankings and my list, and, and I have a hard time figuring out which one of those two I like more. And they're completely different films. Very different. Bull yeah. Durham's a comedy, and Eight Men Out is a pretty much straight-up drama. Uh, but if you've never seen Eight Men Out, it's about the Black Sox scandal where the White Sox players were basically caught throwing the World Series. And that is a movie with a cast. If you've never seen it, you will not believe it's how incredible. many people are oh, in this yeah, movie. Oh, yeah, it's unreal. Yeah, yeah, it's a crazy cast that you probably couldn't put together today just because some of them were on the way up. Um, and you look back now and you're like, oh, that guy. It's almost like Band of Brothers, where you're watching Band of Brothers. You're like, oh, Tom Hardy was, well, Tom Hardy was in that yeah. one? Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, what do you guys think about Bull Durham and Eight Men Out? Well, both of those movies are are excellent. You can't go wrong with either one of them. If we told you to go out right now and go get those two movies or watch it on Netflix or wherever you can find them, whichever one that you decide to watch first is going to be a great experience. Yeah. Um, uh, Bull Durham is is a uh, is one of those. It's weird. the The movie isn't so much about baseball, right? But I feel like it gets baseball right better than most movies. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and I feel like like Kevin Costner actually looks like he can play baseball, which mm -hmm. is something that's rare. We're going to get into a lot of sports movie stuff later. Yeah. But but, uh, but th that movie's just all in all fantastic. And uh, it's funny. Ron Shelton actually... Uh, based Bull Durham on on his, not not that the story was based on anything that he had done, but like a lot of the baseball stuff. Ron Shelton was actually a minor league baseball player back in the day, hmm. and he took those experiences and wrote that movie. Which might explain why that. the movie gets baseball right more than most. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, we were talk. Chris and I were talking the other day about Kevin Costner's career and why he's not mentioned like as one of the greatest of all time because he's been in such great movies. He's sure. been like an amazing movies. And he had the stretch run of, I guess, what was it, 86 until 92 yeah, or 93? Yeah, it, it was a good stretch there, about five years, where he was the number one male star in the world. He's in everything, but he doesn't have 
a single he's in iconic movies but he doesn't have iconic roles yeah right he's he's not known for his performance ability and his his ability to kind of like disappear inside of a role well his most iconic roles are everyman roles yeah like field of dreams and dances with wolves and they're they're you know access points for us to feel like we're that character and that yeah i've heard that before the knock is that costner's always playing costner yeah um and I think there are plenty of actors, Gary Oldman is the first one that comes to mind, that are true chameleons that can just completely change. Uh, but I think most of our stars are just playing themselves in every movie. I think that's Harrison Ford. I think that's Tom Hanks. I mm-hmm. think, um, you know, you'll see some flashes here and there of some like really different characters or characterizations or what have you. But I've, I've always loved Costner because of that everyman quality. He seems so approachable. That's what makes these types of movies like Bull Durham or Tin Cup or like even the untouchables, it makes it more, it probably makes him better just because he's so relatable. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I think he's done plenty, um, you know, in the last 20 years to show he's got range. Like Mr. Brooks is fantastic. That's a great movie. Yep. Um, the the, the problem with, you know, calling him an all timer for some people is just that he had a short period of time where he was on top. He never, like once he, once he started declining in that mid nineties area where water world and, all that the postman. the postman and all that started coming out uh a lot of the sheen came off of him and um and he he never really recovered from that uh he he is in stuff that like mr brooks that's excellent you know every once in a while he'll pop in and something that's great like that but um you know he's not like what hanks hanks had that whole decade uh in the 90s where he was the top star yeah um so well and harrison ford had a little bit longer run too yeah um but I think he, I think Barrett's right. He probably should get more, I guess, acclaim or more uh, consideration as a, an all-timer. Hey, speaking of Harrison Ford, can I ask you guys a question? Because you've it. probably seen this much more recently than I have. Is Frantic just taken, like, a, several years earlier? Oh, um, <laughs> well. There's <laughs> not he, anywhere he near France as much. And he's trying to but, find his disappeared wife? Well, yeah, sure. But there's not as much ass-beating or you know awesome threats made over the phone and it's much more of a thriller than any kind of an action well, wasn't that roman polanski did it maybe yes yes he i did. haven't seen it in 15 years honestly yeah um, it was polanski yeah i, I mean I, I guess i i don't like the wording of it i don't like it is it <laughs> is it taken taken's more frantic than than yeah, 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 yeah i know yeah. what you mean uh but but yeah it's kind of um it's got that same kind of thing it's really good by the way really tense uh, uh throughout and it and it sort of keeps you guessing too like as to whether is he going to succeed or not you know because it's uh you don't know at, by the end of it. and it's a lyric in a bare naked lady song too is it <laughs> <laughs> like harrison ford i'm getting frantic ah, like sting i'm tantric there you go because guaranteed to satisfy i'm glad somebody knew that little <laughs> yeah. bit of trivia <laughs> um all right so uh other stuff that stands out there's a lot of comedies to me that stand out uh the naked gun uh yeah. is one of my favorites yeah. i remember uh, watching this in the theater and just doubled over laughing all the way through this is the the zucker brothers with jim abrams again this was based on police squad which had six episodes on tv and i never got to see it until like they some reason played it for six episodes and they played all the six episodes uh in like the 90s for that's something. all they had was six episodes yep oh wow and uh there's a i can't remember the story behind why it, it was a 
a series that you they they liked the series i think cbs liked the series but they had to cancel it because we wanted a series that was more like you had to pay attention to each episode or whatever i don't remember what the whole thing was there but uh but naked gun uh hilarious movie um you know i i think it goes right along with airplane and all that oh yeah you know as as one of their best this Um, is where oj Besides the isotoners and the the commercials and all that stuff, and of course the football stuff, this is where he really like broke into the public consciousness mm-hmm. of, outside of sports. Really, yeah, man. There was a time there where I knew O.J. Simpson as the guy from the Naked Gun movies and the Hertz commercials. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I was too young to have seen him play football. Mm-hmm. I only knew him as a former football player turned celebrity, mm-hmm. which probably makes the whole O.J. Simpson murder trial an even weirder experience um or maybe not weirder it's probably weirder for people who saw him play football and knew him as a, a football star first yeah and there was a there's a the naked gun two and a half i remember the poster had the characters on it and everything and although oj was never accused of shooting someone there was a there's a thing on the poster that they they had no idea uh for nordberg the character he plays where it says uh, that is a gun in his pocket awkward yeah yeah very much so what else stands out to you guys well this is the year beetlejuice came out yeah oh and they're apparently going to go back to this well here very soon and do some are they yeah like they're going to make a sequel or a remake or reboot or something really which is probably a terrible idea yeah um i remember i had never seen anything like beetlejuice no when i first saw it i mean it was hard for me to even really conceive of what i was seeing because it was such a unique idea and so unique visually and all the performances are so over the top um it's basically tim burton at his burtoniest right yeah before he got into these cgi color visuals yeah this is tim burton when he's really good like he has a streak here that he starts where there's really good stuff that's coming out like edward scissorhands and and all that um and uh but but like uh, yeah, Beetlejuice is really good. And then, yeah, I think he just sort of falls in love with this visual storytelling later on when he's after he's made Batman and all that. He's that's basically what defines his movies. It's not really the idea, the or the story or anything. It's just like, let's see how we can make this look really cool. But yeah. Beetlejuice actually has a pretty good story involved with yeah. it. And uh, and uh, Winona Ryder was uh, that was when that was one of her. That, this was a big year for Winona Ryder yeah. becoming one of the big uh, uh, stars of the day uh, with this. She's only like seventeen in this movie. Yeah, she becomes a big star off of two really kind of darkish, messed up movies. Messed up movies. Yeah, yeah. because Heather's, which is another one that yeah. came out this year, Heather's is a Heather's has got a different. Uh, look to it today when you watch it oh yeah yeah because it's because you know and spoilers about heathers but you should see this movie but towards the end christian slater wants to blow up the school yeah that's not a movie that could be made now you could never (laughs) make it hardly could make it back then yeah uh but um daniel waters i I can't remember his net his last name's waters is the brother of Mark Waters, who did Mean Girls later on. Oh, okay. They have sort of that DNA with high school movies. Interesting. Uh, but, <laughs> they had a rough time in high school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, apparently so. Um, but uh, yeah, Heather's has a different uh, feel today. I love when you watch it. the funeral scene. I quote this line inappropriately <laughs> all the time, but the dead 
jock guy. Everybody, I forget why, but for some reason, everybody has decided he was gay. Yeah. And he wasn't. Um, that's how they stage their deaths that's right yeah. and the dad is giving the funeral speech and coming to groups with his son's homosexuality and he's like <laughs> i love my dead gay son <laughs> yeah yeah it's so fantastic oh yeah yeah it's a, just a classic line um what else stands out to you guys well uh i gotta talk about dirty rotten scoundrels yes mm. oh um, my god another movie i have read that they are going to remake mm. um which they should leave alone i believe this one was even a remake yeah it's a it's like a slight remake of some other movie that i can't remember so michael kane um steve martin at his best mm -hmm. this yeah. is really a a wheelhouse year for some of these actors yeah um and i have seen dirty rotten scoundrels maybe 32 times i think i've seen the exact amount of time <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's still I, even today it plays fine because it's set overseas in another country and you're not worried about like technology and whatnot it, it, it holds up really well it's a it's a great kind of little con movie in addition to just being a great comedy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Steve Martin at his very best in this. Um, and Michael Caine, like, uh, I don't think we were, I don't know if audiences were really used to him being this, this type. He's, he's, I guess he's playing straight man in this, but yeah. he's, he's so, he's really funny in it too. Yeah, he's he got is. so many great moments in this. Um, especially like at the very beginning when it, when it sets up the entire movie, is like it's all you see is just like hands and you hear voices and stuff like that and it's just like she's like there's this woman off screen that says i want to give you all this, this this money i want to help your country and he's like he's like oh we are too proud to get to to uh take money from somebody or whatever and it's like but okay what well, about for the women our women fight just as much as the men and all this other <laughs> stuff and then he's like, well, what about the children and he's like and then you see a hand go over to her hand for the children. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jeez. when he goes to see Steve Martin, uh, right before that, actually, when Steve Martin's in jail and he's trying to think of this dude's name. Mm -hmm. And you, th th there's nothing scripted there. Yeah. Like, I'm sure the script just said, be Steve Martin for 30 seconds. But he yeah. struggles to, Lars, just a fedden, fedden, just a chestin. And it, if you want to see pure comedy, uh, just watch, look up that scene on YouTube. It's freaking hysterical. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Um, yeah, and Dirty Rotten Scandals is like a, just a really short, it's a short movie. You can watch it anytime. It's, uh, it's a huge recommendation out of 1988 yeah absolutely um what else uh comes up that's a good point this is wheelhouse years for i mean this is really a golden age of comedy because you've got michael keaton doing michael keaton stuff in in beetlejuice mm -hmm. you've got steve martin doing his best in dirty rotten scoundrels and big with tom hanks and then you got like chevy chase doing his thing in funny farm funny which, farm. which yeah. is you know an overlooked movie but i watched this movie a lot and i thought it was hilarious oh yeah critically reviled when it came out <laughs> but i love funny farm yeah, man. it's a it's a perfect little movie yeah, I yeah. Mean, it's it's that that cohort of comedians around that era you had uh Aykroyd and, uh, and john candy do the great, great outdoors, outdoors another and, critically reviled exactly movie. man i mean yeah. If if those movies came out now, they would be like you know more highly regarded because there's moments of pure brilliance in all those things. Well, you know? and you've also got Scrooged with mm -hmm. Bill Murray, oh, yeah. yeah, oh in, yeah, in peak Bill Murray form, yeah, and it's it's not I don't think one of his most talked about roles, 
but every Christmas season, I try and catch it uh, because he's he's hilarious in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure the supporting cast is as good as some of his other films that are like he does. What about Bob and Groundhog Day a little bit after this uh, really hits his stride. But he's hilarious in this movie. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's one of my favorite holiday movies, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, between uh, the, the guy from the New York Dolls, uh, the cab driver in that the cab driver is really good. And <laughs> and Bobcat Goldthwait and Karen Allen and all those guys, yeah. it, like it, it, it's it holds up really well because he's just so over the fucking top in that performance. Yeah, yeah, That's he good. is. Uh, speaking of not holding up very well, a movie that everyone in, I knew at age thirteen in nineteen eighty eight saw. Young Guns. Yeah. yeah. Um, I still haven't seen it, by the way. You've never seen Young Guns? Never seen oh, Young Guns. Wow. Well, just for like historical museum purposes, you should watch it. <laughs> just okay. because for a time, that was the shit, man. Everyone I knew loved that movie. Oh, yeah. Quoted it. You are absolutely right about that, though. I heard that's all I ever heard about. Was yeah. And, and you watch it today and you're like, what the hell were they thinking? Like, yeah. this is not, it's barely a Western. Yeah. Um, even though it's trying, it wants very hard to be a Western. It's really just the Brat Pack in Western garb. Um, and uh, Emilio Estevez goes over the top in a way that I can't recommend. <laughs> <laughs> He's Billy the Kid. Is this the one or was it Young Guns 2 that they're out for revenge for the uh, uh, the assassination of the, their mentor? That's the first one. That's the first one. Yeah. Okay. The guy that, that hired them and brought them all together is killed, and they, that's why they band together as young guns to go after his killer. Um, the second one's even worse. I remember even less about that. I, I do it's got remember, a boss soundtrack, though, from Bon Jovi. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, again, uh, we're talking about the era this movie was made in. That's part of why it doesn't hold up so well. Yeah. Also, Emilio Estevez in old man makeup suggesting Billy the Kid lived uh, is <laughs> mm, a creepy moment you will never forget. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, nowhere near contention for this discussion, but worthy of mention for its cultural impact. All right, so Who Framed Roger Rabbit came yeah. out in 1988. Yeah. We recently send this movie, yep. and I found it not to be as good as I thought it. I remember it being. That's the uh, same for me. I saw it when I was a kid and loved it. Haven't seen it in twenty years. It didn't hold up for me. And it's not. And it's not because we're sitting there looking for things wrong. It's just that it's. It just doesn't hold up as much Mm-mm. as it used to. I don't know what that is. I don't know what happened. I really. I mean, I still consider this like a classic, I guess. But it's. It, it really does not hold up today. Well, and it's classic. As much for the gimmick as the content. Yeah, the novelty, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And putting cartoon characters, both new ones and ones that we're familiar with from other properties, on the same screen as humans was something I'd never seen before. Right, right. And it almost feels like most of the effort, maybe the money, went to that mm-hmm. as opposed to... Cause because we did find a lot wrong with the story when we were sending this movie. Yeah, <laughs> There's yeah, a yeah. lot of problems with it. Of course, it's not made for people who pay attention to story problems. It's made for six-year-olds. Right. But, uh, doesn't hold up for me at all either. Uh, another movie that has never held up but I still love is Willow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and maybe not a week goes by that I don't say to my wife when she gets home from work, welcome home. You deserve medals. <laughs> <laughs> um and that's probably all we need to say about Willow. Yeah. Um, also, in 1988, uh, John Carpenter, who we've we've woven in in and out of this uh, the series, who continues to make awesome movies. They Live came out in 1988, yeah. and it's another fantastic movie. If you're like. Look, it, it's it's a great it's a great B movie. This is what John Carpenter's wheelhouse is. Um, 
uh, sci-fi horror all about like putting on special glasses to see the secret messages <laughs> that are subliminally going into the humans uh, has one of the best fight scenes of all time. And it. it's like, it's actually just a funny fight scene for how long it takes. You know, Roddy, Roddy Piper and Keith David are both like fighting for like, it takes, I think 15 minutes or something Is like this that. Movie, does this movie have the quote with the longest reach versus the fewest amount of people who've seen the movie? Because that kick-ass chew bubblegum line, mm -hmm. I bet you everybody <laughs> in America has heard that somewhere. Yeah. But almost nobody's seen this movie. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I'm curious how that one line popped out of that movie and became a cultural-like thing. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I know that in Dazed and Confused, they say it later on. Oh, which okay. Sort of possibly implies that um, it was a saying before this movie came out, but... Um, even though yeah, Days and Confused came out after, but it was set before the seventies. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so maybe it was just the fact that it was Roddy Piper and everything like, you know, saying it in the way he says it, you yeah. know, it's, it's like, I came here to kick ass to bubblegum <laughs> and kick ass is <laughs> very wooden and everything, but he's great at it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they live another, like one of those resounding, you gotta go see that just because it's a, it's a fun B movie. Yeah, definitely. Interesting. Um, for me, is that uh, is the last temptation of Christ? Yeah, come out this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I'm 13 when this movie comes out, uh -huh. and I'm a preacher's kid. Right. <laughs> so I'm nowhere near it's this not, movie. You're yeah. not the demographic. In fact, the only people, the only knowledge I have of this movie are people at church talking about banning this movie mm -hmm. or boycotting this mm -hmm. movie because it plays fast and loose with uh, the the Jesus story. So later in college, I'm. I become a film buff. I'm watching as much as I can. I'm renting as much as I can. I decide I'm going to watch this movie. And this movie should affirm Christianity for those who believe it more than scare them. Because the base, I don't know if you've never seen this movie, but the basic premise is that instead of dying, Jesus comes off the cross and goes on to lead a happy life and marries Mary Magdalene and has kids and yada, yada. And that's what scared all the religious people. But at the end of the film, he opens his eyes and he's still on the cross and he has chosen not to do that. Mm -hmm. And it sort of says, you know, he could have, yeah. but didn't and makes, you know, the, the choice to die even cooler, I think. It but, just goes to show that if you, if you don't adhere to the absolute biblical truth yeah. and, and which is weird because movies that claim to be that, play fast and loose play fast today. and loose too yeah. but because it's scorsese and because it's jesus who's actually in a relationship yeah. like oh you know heaven forbid that ever happened um you know that you know oh it must be horribly blasphemous if that's the case <laughs> not at all and that was a hugely controversial movie it was not just in my little tiny indiana town I oh think yeah all over oh, the yeah. country that was a controversial film yeah um, so it, it had to be mentioned i thought yeah definitely so a couple of dramas that I don't know if you guys like, but uh, that were really, really good and, and kind of impactful on me are The Unbearable Lightness of Being and Dangerous Liaisons. Okay, mm. I've never seen Unbearable Lightness. I have seen Dangerous Liaisons. Oh, Unbearable Lightness of Being is terrific. One for Lena Olin. Mm -hmm. She is one of the most beautiful women I think I've ever seen. Yep. Just the atmosphere and the visuals and the mood. You were talking about like Tron Legacy. It's yeah. a very different mood, uh, but it's uh, it's it's fantastic. And Daniel Day Lewis is, of course, predictably, mm -hmm. even though he's you know years before his true wheelhouse, like he's he's just awesome. Mm -hmm. So everybody should definitely check this out. It's a pretty Philip Kaufman directed it, and uh, it's pretty slow pace, but 
it's it's basically kind of an exposition on relationships and how different forms they can take and that kind of thing. And uh, it's it's probably the polar opposite content wise of Dangerous Liaisons, uh, where it's all scheming and manipulation and things like that. This yeah. is, Unbearable Lightness of Being is a very human type of movie about real relationships. Mm-hmm. Well, and Dangerous Liaisons is maybe one of the most filmed pieces of literature ever yeah right because there's like three other movie versions we got cruel intentions now they're remaking cruel intentions right and they got sarah michelle geller back yeah and um and milos forman made one i think the following year just called valmont uh-huh um uh, and yeah it has it's been yeah and i think it's actually probably been done a couple of other times we just didn't hear about those yeah but um but yeah that's really good john malkovich is amazing and yeah Liaison. well michelle pfeiffer um yeah. keanu's in that too keanu right? and yeah uma. Uma, and uma one of her uma. first roles that's uma's right that's it, right as she's like 18 in that movie yeah she's really young yeah um but uh but yeah uh keanu yeah shows up like <laughs> like towards the end just to show off his acting yeah. chops yeah because he because he's the it boy they have to bring him in um God. but uh but really good movie um what else guys well, since we're talking about prestige here we can talk about rain man yeah which one best picture um uh rain man is is really good i don't think i'm gonna give it my vote um uh it's one of those movies dustin hoffman right rightfully gets a lot of credit for that movie but tom cruise I, and i think i've heard a few people say this if it's not for tom cruise and his performance yep. and letting dustin hoffman do his thing uh it's not nearly the movie that it becomes i agree completely and uh and and so cruise is really good in that he's in uh sort of i don't i don't think he i don't know if cruise got nominated for rain man uh i think mm. i think he was overlooked in that because he didn't have the showy role but uh, if you ever want to read something hilarious about Rain Man, go, actually just about studios in general, there's a book that talks about how uh, John Peters and Peter Goober took over the took over Sony, mm. and they just went in and just blew a whole bunch of money and everything, just threw money at everything. But uh, when Rain Man Rain Man was being developed by Steven Spielberg and a lot of people at, at, mm. in its early in its early uh, genesis or whatever. And like, uh, they, they, Spielberg has a meeting with one of those guys. I think it's Peter Goober goes into the, to the house and they, and they talk about this script for Rain Man. (laughs) Peter Goober says, we should have Raymond go to a Dodgers game. And then in the seventh inning, the Dodgers get Raymond out of the, out of the stands and he pitches the eighth inning. (laughs) What the fuck? Oh my god! Actually, I think he pitches the ninth inning, and and he pitches it, and they win the game. That's what he says. <laughs> um, I have to look up this book. Oh, I, I'm gonna have to look up this book. But uh, but if you ever want to read something about like crazy ass Hollywood, I think it's called Hit and Run. Well, I just read the other day that Gene Roddenberry's original draft for Star Trek had Kirk fighting Jesus. <laughs> 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 they wouldn't let him make it. <laughs> yeah. And now I want to see Kirk fighting Jesus. That's all oh, I want yeah. to see. Oh yeah. <laughs> now that would be blasphemous, I think. Yeah, oh yeah, probably. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. The book is called Hit and Run, and it's, it's how John Peters and Peter Goober took Sony for a ride in Hollywood. Uh, if you can ever find that book, uh, read it. You you won't believe all the stuff. It talks about all the stuff that happens in the early '90s. How Schwarzenegger, Willis, and and uh, Stallone were getting outrageous salaries basically because of sony and uh and all the stuff just you won't believe the stuff that 
you know these these guys actually ran a studio. It's crazy. Um, it, it makes it all the all the more funny in the player when they're pitching that <laughs> shitty ass Bruce Willis movie. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah, that probably that could that pitch could happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, another one that stands out. Another fun one. Another good comedy. Midnight Run. Yeah. Uh, Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin. Uh, they've made this movie a million times now where it's a bounty hunter having to go across the the country or whatever with their uh, bounty, bounty or whatever and um and uh you know they've made a million of those now but midnight run is the one that's the one that you should see um it probably says fuck in it about 500 times something like that <laughs> yeah. someone counted it yeah. i think it's in the trivia somewhere they say it every other word but uh, uh you know this is de niro at a different uh, in a different light you didn't see de niro like this really i mean he's still a tough guy and all yeah. that but um but uh but uh just a fun movie it's interesting to me that this is this is the year that solidified tom hanks as the big comedy star but he was also in punchline yeah which oh, despite God. being about stand-up comedy is not a comedy super yeah. underrated super underrated oh, yeah. um it's a drama there's plenty to laugh at because you get to see some comedy performances and whatnot but um it's interesting to me that he was showing the versatility even mm -hmm. then um, in the same year. Yeah, um, he and Sally Field gets some great lines. She does in yeah. that uh, in that movie, and she, her her routines are really genuinely hilarious yeah. too. Yeah, it's one of those movies. By the way, they they to show you the awful way they treat women in Hollywood. Uh, Punchline. Hanks and Sally Field are love interests in this, movie, yeah. even though they're not really like they're not really love interests, but they're I guess they're like romantic leads or mm. whatever. Uh, so they so they're on equal footing or whatever. But it, six years later, in Forrest Gump, she's her she's his mom. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, there's a couple of uh, foreign language films that pop out. I don't know if they were actually, they actually came out in 1988, but it shows up on the IMDb that way. So we can talk about them. Akira mm -hmm. uh, is, uh, is, you know, uh, huge in the uh, way of anime. I mean, that's the, that's the citizen Kane of it, yeah. isn't it? Um, I don't think I've, I've seen the movie like three times. I still don't think I understand everything that happens in mm. Akira, but uh, it's great though. Yeah. It's it's one of those it's one of those it's just watchable. Great, yeah. great movie. Oh, yeah. um, another one we talked about this before um, uh, it was Cinema Paradiso, which yeah. is a uh, one that you you guys definitely you know need to watch, um, uh, especially if you ever worked in uh, projection, thirty five millimeter projection. Mm uh it's it is the perfect ode to projectionists basically um but uh anything else stand out and guys? they need odes yes they do well i just want to mention them. uh talk radio i know it's mm -hmm. not um uh, considered great it's one of those movies that i think just time forgot we discovered it in the video store in college and i was like oliver stone i'll watch this because like mm. um and basically, it's a it's about a shock jock, and a movie takes place over the course of basically one evening during his show. And the reason I like this movie so much is that it builds tension uh, extremely well with the visuals and the soundtrack, not just the music, but the audio uh, and the way we cut in and out of uh, headphone audio versus what somebody on the radio is hearing or what have you. And by the end of the film, you definitely have a sense of dread. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all the performances are great. Um, so if you, I'm not, this is not like state and Maine where I'm guaranteeing everyone's going to love this movie. Um, but if you take the idea of, you know, an early Howard Stern 
somebody who's actively mean to their callers uh, for ratings uh, and and maybe a caller gets a little angry about that um, just a really good solid drama and uh, holds up really well and maybe I like it because I did radio for a while I don't know but like uh, Oliver Stone is on an amazing role at this point he you know he's done Platoon Wall Street talk radio they're all good so mm. um, he's he's also one of those directors we like to talk about uh, in this time a um, couple of other comedies that uh, that stand out. Another one that I've seen probably 32 times, along with Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, is A Fish Called Wanda. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. A Fish Called Wanda is like getting to see Monty Python again, but it's in a straighter, a more straighter comedy this time. But John Cleese is so funny in yeah. this movie. Yeah. Um, this is this is. I mean, he should really get nominated for this for this work that he does in there um uh and kevin klein is did get he won the oscar mm-hmm. for this um but uh a fish called wanda is just uh it, it is a complex it's a complex like caper film basically mm-hmm. where um where this band of jewel thieves has stolen these jewels and they've they've st- you know stored them away and uh but they have to get the they have to get it. one of their guys has gotten caught so they have to get uh, so Jamie Lee Curtis basically like, you know, has to seduce John Cleese, who's the barrister and everything and try to get, you know, him to sort of get a more favorable uh, case or whatever. I don't want to talk too much about it because it's uh, it's one of those movies that's got a lot of surprises in it. And yeah. Stuff. But um, but uh, I, Michael Palin is a plays a guy with an awful stutter and everything mm-hmm. which you know, got him got the movie in trouble with a lot of. Uh, with a lot of groups and everything i don't think it was uh, an offensive uh mm. take on it but of know. all the offensive things in the 80s that's probably the least <laughs> yeah, I, know, I know no kidding <laughs> but uh I, I, another one i think i think we're sitting here in 1988 going i recommend this and i recommend that and i recommend this there's a lot of those type of movies in here we were at Remember a previous podcast, we talked about how many songs the police put out that were like about creepy sex mm-hmm. stuff. And we, Chris and I were at a wedding recently, and the the guy giving the little homily thing was quoting the police. Every breath you take, uh, I'll be yeah. watching you. But then, <laughs> but then he made the joke. But then you realize that song's about stalking. <laughs> and I turned to Chris and I was like, I'm glad he chose that police yeah. song. And not- <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> the God. 80s were uh, messed up. Yes. Um, uh, another one that's, that stands out really just because it was just such a huge hit was Twins. Yeah. Um, not a great movie by any means, but Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito are genetically engineered twins. And here's how my mind thought in in uh, when I was 11 years old and this movie came out. And there's that scene where Schwarzenegger's talking to De- to Devito, and he and he's like he's like we're twins, and Devito's like, oh yeah, it's like looking in a mirror. <laughs> I actually thought that Devito was playing an actual twin, but that's how they were that's, they were acting like they were twins, like oh, even though yeah. they didn't, they didn't visually look the same and that's where the comedy was coming from um <laughs> but then you know you watch the movie and when you're you know when you're stupid like me at 11 and you go oh yeah okay <laughs> it's just that they're incongruously twins i see um uh but uh but yeah i don't really recommend twins that much but it's a it's an artifact from the from 1988 well another artifact is beaches yeah <laughs> yeah I, i'm not gonna recommend this movie but there was a time where every woman in america was crying over it. and the wind yeah. beneath my wings yep. good god was that 
ever present. Yeah, that's crazy. We were talking about. It. Yeah, like, th- there's a lack of theme pop songs in these movies that we've been talking about, as opposed to like 1987 and the you know before then. But yeah, beaches, freaking <laughs> wind beneath beaches, my wings. Beaches, beaches, <laughs> bitches. Yes, God, I mean that was everywhere. That made it to a Seinfeld episode. We should probably say. mention Working Girl. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a good movie. I think somebody was nominated from it. Um, at least for Golden Globe. Melanie Griffith, I think, was nominated yeah. for for Working Girl. Um, might be her only nomination, actually. Um, uh, but uh, it's good. It's got Harrison Ford. It's got a, I think, one of Kevin Spacey's early first roles. Mm. Um, a Sigourney Weaver is really. I mean, she's awesome. Yeah, uh, she is. I love Sigourney. Oh yeah, she did that and uh, Gorillas in the Mist. Yeah, yeah, good uh, one-two punch for Sigourney Sigourney Weaver that year. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean that's that's a good movie. In the cover your ass uh, territory, you've got stuff like Child's Play, which is not a good movie, but it was the beginning of a huge franchise. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Child's Play came out in 1988. Um, Bloodsport, which was another one that like you were talking about young guns and everything. Bloodsport was like, I mean, everybody I knew seemed to know Bloodsport, yeah. you know, and I was not old enough to see it and i'm like how are you old enough to see it um uh, what else is in here i don't know if there's much i mean if you want to get real deep francis ford coppola did uh tucker the oh yeah dream. tucker and it's him doing his most you know rah-rah populist uh type of thing and interestingly enough i went to coppola's vineyard in napa valley forever ago and he's got a few collectibles in in his uh like in his loft in, in his, his central thing there. He's got a little museum and he's got the desk from the Godfather in there and he's got a surfboard from Apocalypse Now and wow. he has the entire Tucker model car wow. in, that, in that thing. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. I would too if I were him. <laughs> yeah. I'll also uh, mention I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. Yes. Which is uh, uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans coming on the scene. Uh, a parody of black exploitation flicks and everything. Um uh that's a fun movie too uh this i mean this is the year of uh van damme coming into the scene this was steven seagal with above the law coming yeah. in um and then after that where i think we're gonna above vote. the law yeah <laughs> well isn't i'm gonna get you sucker isn't that the 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 famous chris rock line of how much for one rib <laughs> i don't remember man i'm sorry i can't <laughs> he goes up and he's like well how much for some ribs and he was like he'd be like four dollars and then he thinks about it he takes like, like a dime and he's like, how much for one rib? <laughs> I think that is actually, now that you've done that whole thing. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So if we're going to vote, uh, the order is Jeremy, Chris, and Barrett. All right. I get to set the tone. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'll do a big speech here, but I'm just going to tell you it's Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Um, Die Hard is fantastic mm-hmm. in every way. Holds up super well. Uh, and has been the model of basically every action film for the most part in the last 25 years. And there was even a time there, and it got to the point where it's a cliche now, where there was even a time there where you could tell they were pitching movies as Die Hard on a train, yeah. Die Hard on a boat, yeah. Die Hard on an airplane. Um, there's a reason they pitched it that way, because Die Hard is fucking awesome. Yeah. And... Uh, no matter how much I like any other movie in this year, nothing's going to touch the cultural impact and, uh, and overall quality in my eyes. So it's diehard for me. Yeah, those movies that you're talking about, like Under Siege was yeah. one, and Speed, and, um, you know, they they really like to, and I wish they would make more of these nowadays. They got that 
everyman cop or Navy SEAL or whatever kind of guy into a tight space mm-hmm. and he's just wasting bad guys one by one when he can yeah. not like going out into this huge battle and like you know blowing away 500 people <laughs> like rambo in every single scene well and has any franchise ever lost touch of what it was about faster and worse than die hard no 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 i mean yeah i mean after you know die hard 2 we'll get to that at, at, you know when we get to 1990 but Die Hard Two is underrated as yeah, an I action like movie, but it but it ain't the same. That's for sure. And it's I mean it's still sort of confined to one place. Yeah. Then it's not in Russia. Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. New York City. Die Hard with a Vengeance. It's all of New York City, and then it's like uh, I like Die Hard with a Vengeance too. But then after that, those two other movies that are just oh, they're just awful. I don't even know if Bruce Willis remembers what these movies no, are about hell no <laughs> at least in the in good day to die hard he was barely trying man yeah he was making it he was earning that paycheck yeah he was <laughs> uh barrett's vote doesn't matter because yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna vote die hard and uh, i and i and i this is the type of thing that um this is the type of thing that i wish more like i said wish more action movies would emulate die hard uh, especially in the fact that there's a there's just there's a scene in Die Hard where they're telling you everything about the the action the the place of the action that they're about to that where the action's going to take place when he's running along the one thing and he says oh okay there's the naked girls and then he walks he runs to the next thing it's telling you and telling him he actually he does actually need to know this information yeah. like where am i in this building it's orienting you constantly and it orients you subtly uh-huh. like oh I, all right oh the naked girls okay i know where that is and then like where this action is going to take place and it's it's just fantastic got a great just a lot of quotable lines in it mm. and uh and um i could watch die hard anytime yeah. die hard is so good yeah yeah well, what part of a small part of what made it good? Two things. First of all, it was rated R, mm-hmm. and it wasn't you know super hard R, but there was you know reasonable violence and there was reasonable like language and things like that, which I think studios are kind of going back to now. But they really got away from it. Die Hard itself got away from it. It was all you know PG thirteen for the last uh, couple of times. But my vote is also Die Hard, and it's it's easy to forget that back in those days. Because it was so over the top of Schwarzenegger and and Stallone and all these guys, the the erstwhile Expendables, where he he's a vulnerable action hero. Yeah, where they have the scene where where he you know, steps on the broken glass and he starts bleeding profusely, and he, you can see the pain in his face when he's going through. And you hadn't seen that at that point, and you know. I think we've kind of gotten away from that uh, now too. Well, we have. We've gotten into an, uh, back to an age of, of Superman heroes. Yeah. Like, and no one is a bigger apologist for the Bourne series than I am. But the Bourne movies, even Mission Impossible, the last two movies, which I I'd say those in Bourne are among the best modern action films made. Definitely, but those people mm-hmm. are all Superman. Yeah, those people are untouchable, right? And when you give me Ethan Hunt, like maybe gonna die, I'm not buying it. Yeah. The reason those movies are awesome is that I know Tom Cruise might have died because he actually does have an action. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm never worried the character's going to die. There's so many stunts that happen in Die Hard uh, that they are they are over the top, but they make sense. Like the 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 fire hose scene. Mm. He has no other choice. The sure. the the roof's gonna blow. 
He's like, this is a bad idea. He doesn't think it's going to work, but he he makes it work. And it, everything that happens to him getting safe by the end of that is something that's like not only exciting and thrilling, but it kind of makes sense for his character to do. And 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 I think in uh, movies nowadays, it's like it's like you know they're just running around and somebody's like oh hose and then they just yeah. you know and they just do it without even thinking well and die hard also does something i don't see enough of anymore and that's that it gives little personality moments to all of the henchmen not yeah. just yeah. but like the guy downstairs with the boppy jokes who's getting into the safe and then the guy at the front desk who's kills anybody that comes in i guess has a very unique personality we got the brother who's pissed off about his brother dying <laughs> yeah. we got that no more table guy right um, yeah they all have some little element of uniqueness yeah and and i mean we've already talked about uh alan rickman before on a couple of other podcasts but you know his, his hans gruber is still the the model for which a villain should be patterned on. Even great yeah. actors like Jeremy Irons have fallen flat on their face trying to do what he did in mm-hmm. that movie. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, if you haven't guessed already, Die Hard is is the movie. That, uh, unanimous is, pick, baby. A unanimous pick, Woo-hoo. and uh, deservedly so. Yay! Um, all right, so today we're going to be talking about sports movies. You you just go home just a bit outside he tried the corner and missed you're excited feel these nipples yeah Uh, sports we like sports yes um i I brought the sports movies up because sports movies are are weird to me uh in a lot of ways they try to sports are inherently team oriented in in general in, in in real life but i feel like especially in baseball movies it's all they need is one guy to make their team great yeah and this happens in the natural this happens in bad news bears yeah um it happens in a lot of hoosiers hoosiers yeah Uh hoosiers is the biggest one that does this but but like you look at the teams that are around these guys and you're like there's no way they're good just because they put this guy on (laughs) and i guess the whole point is is that you know well this guy is so good he makes other people better but like i don't i don't i've never gotten that even remember the titans does this yeah uh, Yeah. kip whatever yeah kip purdue yeah every uh, almost every sports movie does that you're right and it's frustrating and it, it ties into one of the ones i had on my list of weird things sports movies do which is where a shit team gets really good in like a week yeah <laughs> like because they're training the yeah. most recent one that i've seen is the rookie with uh, dennis quaid which is a, a movie i enjoy um based on a real story and this high school baseball coach of a shit team basically wants them to win and they say, okay, well, if we win X number of games, will you try out for baseball? Because they know he's got a killer arm. Throws like 99 or whatever. And he finally reluctantly agrees. And it shows them, it does show them practicing in a fucking gravel, <laughs> like, <laughs> quarry because they don't have a field. <laughs> and, and you know, then they rattle off 16 wins or something. And I don't care what you believe about the power of motivation. Those kids were shitty baseball players. <laughs> and they do not get yep. good even in the course of one season. They in, got fixed. In the case of the natural, like, I, I feel like Roy Hobbs shows up to this team. They're already horrible. Yeah. And they've probably played a quarter of the season already. 
And then when, and then they sit Roy Hobbs forever and he's like, not, he's not playing. They're still losing and all this other type of stuff. Finally, you know, Bump Bailey runs through the fence and dies and then he gives, <laughs> gives Roy Hobbs his chance and, and they're winning. And apparently they're winning every game that Roy Hobbs is good in or whatever. But at this point, they're going to have to win at least 60 in a row, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because they're so bad, they've already dug a hole for themselves. Then, not only is Roy Hobbs helping them win all these games in a row, he has a slump that lasts months, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, <laughs> like, there's like, oh, I'm going out with Memo Parrish, he's bad luck, and it's going on forever. <laughs> and then finally, he sees Glenn Close stand up in the stands at Wrigley, and he's like, all right, I'm gonna I'm, I'm good now and uh and 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 they and so they play all the way to the point where i know that baseball seasons are long but they're not that long well, that's that's <laughs> stupid because baseball is is the least applicable sport for having one person to change yeah i know there's like wins above replacement and and, and stuff like that right. but like bryce harper doesn't give the nationals like 20 more wins <laughs> yeah you know chris bryant on on the cubs don't it, it takes like these machinations because the Cubs had Anthony Rizzo for all those years and he didn't make them fucking good no, until no. they got all these other kids coming have, up. You have so. to have pieces and you can't tell me that the, you know, the New York Knights and the natural were just a one player away yeah. type team. Yeah. In know? basketball, you can make the argument that Teen Wolf, <laughs> yeah. having Teen Wolf on your team can turn your shit around. Yeah. Right? Well, because or one like, player can dominate. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And like in, in, in Kicking and Screaming, the Will Ferrell version, they, they got those Italian kids and everything. In kids soccer, yeah, maybe you're one or two you know kids away from, from doing it. But not fucking baseball. That yeah. doesn't make any I sense. I beg to I differ. Uh, I saw this movie called Rookie of the Year. Oh, yeah. Where the little kid <laughs> with a surgical repaired arm yes. he turned that season around yes so there's yeah. evidence every fifth start absolutely yeah yeah as long as you get a pitcher who pitches every fifth day or you can make the cubs good you get joseph gordon levitt to stand up and wave his arms like he's flying mm-hmm. angels in the outfield dude oh, yeah. you're, you're you're about to get into another section of uh before we get into that section i do want to talk about just back in this same uh, topic i think in major league there's nobody good on that team. No. There's Wesker's drinking whiskey in the middle of the game. Yeah. <laughs> there's so nobody good on that team. And like they're they make it like Wild Thing, Charlie Sheen, a relief pitcher. He's a relief pitcher. <laughs> makes them great. And like there's nobody on that team. Like, not even like uh was it uh who's the guy who's Joe Boo and all that? He plays Pedro Serrano. Yeah. Uh He's their slugger, but he's not good either. He's no. like he's like an all or nothing Dave Kingman type. He swings the shit out of the ball. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he and he sucks. He's not good. Yeah. He occasionally hits a home run. Yeah. Tom Berenger's an old catcher. Yeah. Uh and Wesley Snipes, yeah, he's he's fast, but like who's driving him in? You know, Corbin Burnson. Corbin Burnson, who doesn't give a he shit. He doesn't give a shit anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, until he gets physically threatened. By- <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it really takes it really takes the threat of the team moving before all of them become that. Yeah, that is the whole power of belief. You <laughs> yeah, know, now yeah. that we uh, and they got an old crusty manager that also doesn't look like he gives yeah, a shit. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's uh, you know they do this in sports movies because you hear this in real in real sports life, like. Uh, 
we went into halftime and we we looked in our coach's eyes and he was like he gave he ran it down for us he gave us the speech of a lifetime all this other stuff i wonder how many times that happens and they still lose the game yeah we don't hear about those nobody's gonna bring that up (laughs) yeah but but in movies man they are magic (laughs) player at the end of a super bowl coach really had me convinced at halftime <laughs> yeah no it's it like it's it. even worse now that we've lost um but you were about to get into angels in the outfield and i and i put this in a movie with angels in the outfield the sixth man flubber all these movies where there's sports being played and like the weirdest shit is happening and everybody's watching it like well that's totally normal yeah yeah <laughs> like uh well yeah rookie of the year is in that group yeah. Teen wolf is in that group. oh yeah like all Air of Bud. society Air just Bud. accepts a goddamn wolf playing basketball <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> wolf, wolf. <laughs> i applaud you not being speciesist but jesus uh, <laughs> give me one guy going should this be happening he could we, eat my face off but he, he's a hell of a basketball has he player. had his rabies shot like i mean they do that so many times the ball will be going in a certain uh, trajectory and it will completely change its trajectory in midair and somebody's like well that guy's good yeah you know yeah well angels in the outfield and sixth man are like the worst offenders of yeah. that right yeah there's literal like invisible things impacting the trajectory of the, <laughs> yeah. the sports and ball. people are just sitting there watching it going man that guy's awesome yeah, yeah. 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 look at what he did with that ball there how did he do that <laughs> <laughs> oh man well um uh, so baseball is probably uh is easily my favorite sport and the movies that it's produced um are obviously hit and miss mm-hmm. uh the miss uh the biggest miss of all time is trouble with the curve <laughs> oh boy um boy, oh boy. trouble with the curve is the anti-money ball <laughs> uh and, and to me it's the anti-intellectualism basically yeah. um uh, first off, the claims of Moneyball are not the claims that the people who hate Moneyball think that Moneyball is making the claims right. for. Uh, Moneyball has its own problems. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, Trouble with the Curve, um, I hate that movie so much because, uh, and and if I, I'm going to, I guess I'll spoil Trouble with the Curve. I mean, we spoil the shit all the time. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, Clint Eastwood is an aging scout who who just can't see well anymore and there's this one player that the atlanta braves are are looking at and he's this great hitter and all this other stuff and um eastwood is sort of following this guy around uh because matthew lillard the Moneyball guy of the atlanta braves uh organization says oh man this guy is great and apparently this money but this Moneyball guy the sabermetrics guy only looks at computers that's all he does <laughs> he, and that's how he figures out people are that's great it. which is not what Moneyball was about um <laughs> it's part of it but it's not all of it uh but uh, so he's following this guy and uh eastwood is like here's his swing and he's like oh <laughs> oh he's got trouble with the curve that swing he can't hit the curve because i can hear it yeah. and that's how good he is and everything meanwhile like there's this peanut vendor guy that that <laughs> that uh amy adams who's the daughter of clean eastwood uh runs into and like the the guy that they're scouting is like a total asshole to this peanut vendor guy for whatever reason uh, but like uh there's a point where the, the they finally they draft this guy and he and it's towards the end 
where he's getting his like little tryout in front of everybody in Atlanta and everything. And the guy's like hitting home runs left and right and all this sort of stuff. And everybody's like, yeah, we made the right pick. And then Amy Adams, surprise, surprise, peanut vendor guy. He, he <laughs> she found out that he's got an arm that's amazing. He can throw like 98 miles an hour and this awesome curve, all this sort of stuff. He, she puts him on the mound against this dude and he strikes him out in three pitches, and they fire Matthew Lillard because of that. <laughs> One fucking at bat. <laughs> talking about small sample size, guys. Like, nobody in the world has ever struck out on three pitches. Not one star player has ever, ever been. Like, like it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. And plus, we don't even know the pitcher's good based on that. Based on that. Yeah, if that guy sucks, yeah. then anybody could Let's should be able forget, to strike him out. Uh, um, Eastwood is playing basically a blind man at this point. Yes, yes. So all of his scouting is basically the only reason Amy Adams is going with him on the scouting trip is to be his eyes. Right. Um, he hears this guy can't hit the curve mm -hmm. on a pitch when the guy hits the curve. Over the fence. Yes. It's a home run. <laughs> right. On a curveball. Right. They have to go that far to tell you how good this guy's ear is. Right. And it's ridiculous. But also, uh, can we just agree that Amy Adams and Justin Timberlake wanted to work with Clint Eastwood before yeah. he died? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because there couldn't have been anything in this script. Their romance is literally paint-by-numbers movie romance yeah. it's terrible they're walking down the street and spontaneously they start dancing i'm like oh i guess they're in love now i fucking hate this movie yeah yeah it's it's one of the worst worst sports movies ever and i know there's an anti-intellectualism type of thing going on in this country and everything and people hate it when people are coming up with stats and figures and things that try to give us a better understanding of what we're watching uh, I know that for years and years we used the eye test, but man, oh man, they made a whole movie about like how, like that, you know, that those statistics, you can throw them out the window because you, if you can hear somebody swing on a curveball, <laughs> they, I mean, if that was real, if he was really that good, the, the Braves should have had every great player yeah. uh, ever made, you know, ever created. They should have had them because that's how, that's how ridiculous that yeah, is yeah no and it's funny to me how much you hate this movie considering the braves are involved and i know you love the braves <laughs> yeah yeah it's <laughs> not even any part of you that's like well the braves are in it so. no hell no although uh, there there is another there's a, any baseball movie uh featuring the braves is awful there's another one called the slugger's wife that came out a long hmm. time ago <laughs> and then, and then, <laughs> remind me to skip that yeah it's not good either um, um something i see a lot in sports movies that bothers me or seems like cliche-ish and I'm going to talk about it in the context of golf movies mm. but it's the the, the 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 team we're following always has to win at the mm. end like, yeah and you know the, I love golf there aren't a lot of golf movies um, but all of them except one have the main character winning in the end whether we're talking about Legend of Bagger Vance or the uh, greatest game ever played or Freaking Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore, yeah. Um, and we've talked about Tin Cup before, uh, but it illustrates something that I think more movies should do because there are movies where the the good team, the good guys don't win. Like in any given Sunday, they don't win that last playoff game. Mm -hmm. They yeah. lose it. But whenever that's employed, it's it feels like the movie just wants to show us reality. Yeah. They don't always win. Tin Cup has him not win at the end. But the end is still thrilling as fuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're excited oh, yeah. as if he had won. 
And I've now almost never seen another movie do that. Yeah. Yeah. Tin Cup has one of the my favorite endings uh, of all time in it. Um, because it's that is his character yeah. exactly to a his consistent yeah. exactly and and he's playing it's, I think it's the U.S. Open or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. he's playing the U.S. Open and for the three days he's tried to get this ball on the green on one shot uh, and every time he's had to take a lie afterwards because it goes into the to the water yeah and uh, and like so then he get, finally gets to uh, that final day. And you're like, you're like, okay, he's going to do the smart thing because that's what heroes in movies do. Yeah. They finally learn from their mistakes. And this guy hits the ball and it goes right back in the water. And he's like, damn it, I can get this. <laughs> and it's so not about, awesome. it's not about winning the tournament. It's about getting that shot. Yeah. yeah. And that's why it's so fun to watch that whole thing. And watching the announcers too. Oh, yeah. Somebody tackle yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great thing. Like he turns the audience that's watching it. He turns the audience, the the characters in the movie where they're, they're around, they're just rooting for him to yeah. at this point to hit the green. You know, everybody's basically like, all right, man, keep going, keep yeah. going. Until <laughs> yeah. you get it. I mean, it's like what, nine balls or something yeah. like that. And, yeah. and he, it's his last ball. And, and it's just, it's, it's absolutely thrilling. And, you know, it's gotta be for like, you know, Joe six pack that, you know, has to play by the rules and that kind of thing. It's a very unsatisfying ending maybe, but like to anybody else, it's just, it's terrific because well, he and- does it. He does whatever, again, it's consistent with the character. Yeah. The other repeat offender is boxing movies. Mm-hmm. And maybe Million Dollar Baby aside, um, it's one of the reasons I don't really care about boxing movies. Like, I just mm-hmm. watched Southpaw on HBO or Showtime. I still haven't or something. seen that. Uh, well, Jake Gyllenhaal's great in it. Uh, but I was completely underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I knew every beat of that story before I saw it. One of the reasons I was so surprised Creed got so much love, I haven't seen that yet, even though I'm not convinced it's good because everybody says it is. But every, all the Rocky movies, Cinderella Man, like well, the guy always wins that last that, fight. That's what I think that's what made Rocky, the original Rocky, so good. Now, he didn't win. It was, of course, you know, a, a contested decision and everything like that. But he didn't win that first that first fight. Well, he wins every fight after that. Except for the one with Mason the Lion Dixon and Rocky Balboa, I think. Okay. Yeah, so he just kind of, like, shows up and <laughs> yeah, does, but that's and does the, well. Yeah, but that's that same callback, like, the first one. Like, yeah. It's just good that he stayed around. Exactly, you know? exactly. So, I mean, but the point I'm trying to illustrate is that, like, it's it's kind of... Why don't they do that anymore? Yeah. It certainly worked for Rocky in the first place. I right. mean, you don't have to win if you're showing up and you're really like, you know, causing hearts and minds to shift from, you know, Apollo Creed as being this this god to at least, hey, you, you gave it a shot. Uh, they should do that more. Well, I and, think so. and and Creed does do that, by the way. Creed does. He doesn't win. The oh, oh yeah, that. that's right. They they, yeah, yeah, yeah. they they um they follow that exact pattern. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if there's anything that you want to say about Creed that is bad is that it's like, it's so much the first Rocky. Mm. It is so much the first Rocky right. that he does not know how to box. <laughs> That's what drive me fucking crazy about these boxing movies is how many punches to the face they openly take. Their hands are down by like their belly yeah. and they just lead with their face. And yeah. apparently that's yeah. how Sly trained Michael B. Jordan because he just gets in there and lets his face get in the way of the punches. Right. Well, and that was the, <laughs> that was the whole reason why Rocky was good was because he could take the punches, <laughs> exactly. which is, of course, ludicrous. But put his hands up a little bit. But to find a protege that's just like that, you know, like, <laughs> hey, hey. Go ahead. You put your face in. And you can get hit a bunch. And every once in a while, you can swing back. And you be okay. All right? It's good. It's good. It's like, um, 
and uh well and then if you want to get into you know i mean cinderella man is is more biopic and everything raging bull is mm-hmm. also kind of that way even though it's 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 weird that movie's not really it is a boxing movie yeah but it's it's more of like yeah and it's got some of the most visceral boxing yeah. that you'll ever see in it those movies are obviously got some of their own dark moments or they've got, you know, it's not all, it's not all like winning and everything is not the bit is not the most important thing and everything. But, um, but yeah, I know what you mean. Like most boxing movies that you're going to watch, if it's just any random boxing movie, it's going to be this guy lost his first one. And then he's got to learn, he's got to train throughout the rest of the movie. And then it's like, to that big moment at the end and then you know he's gonna well and i think what we're dancing around is how generic sports movies can feel when they all sort of take some kind of underdog and have them beat some kind of unbeatable team right Mm -hmm. and the only movie i forgive that four out and out is miracle because that actually happened. yeah yeah um and that that is a sports movie that does a lot of other things great like he he brings in the hot shot player to piss his players off, yeah. not to make his yeah. team better, and they send that guy back away. Um, it's he's a crusty old coach, uh, like that's a cliche at sports movies, but he's the best crusty old coach ever. I love that movie. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, it, it, the pattern is is very simple. Imagine if the Mighty Ducks didn't win at the end. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Would Disney ever make those movies? Probably not. No, but but that's not. Again, not every movie has to be reality. But what the point I'm trying to make is that there is more entertainment value to be wrung out of sports than just the underdog wins. You know, that you bring up a good point because of that Miracle movie. Now, Miracle was one of the few everybody knows the Miracle on Ice story, even if like you're you're younger than we are, you know, the 1980 uh, Olympic team upset the Russians or the Soviets uh in in the Olympics in hockey. Now, that wasn't the gold medal match. That was the right. the, the the quarterfinals or semifinals or something like that. But you know, it was a huge thing. It was a huge nationalist thing. It was a great sports moment and everything. And everybody remembers it. So there's really not a need to to put that in film. But because it's so cinematic and it's got that iconic line of do you believe in miracles and everything, I think they did a good job with it. But I don't know. When I was I posed a question last night to, to say, like, you know, what would be a new sports moment or a sports moment that hasn't been put to film yet? That would still be good. And all the ones that I thought about, like Jordan coming back and winning, you know, the the three titles and everything after losing in, in 95 yeah. or like, you know, Tiger coming back after, you know, the uh, or winning on one leg, the U.S. Open, that kind of thing. Because we've seen it and because especially in the, the most recent one, it's been done to death. It's been documented. You've seen it in so many different like thought pieces and everything like that. I don't know if there's anything recent that I would want to see put to Well, film. this is going to veer off wildly into a tangent for a second. Do you want to see, do you need to see a movie about the Red Sox winning the World Series? No. Wouldn't documentary footage be more thrilling because it's Absolutely. real? Absolutely. And so this is where we get into Man on Wire and The Walk. Yeah. Like yeah. a movie that didn't need to be made no. because there is a more visceral experience to be had in the documentary did we already do this on a podcast maybe but uh i will interject here as as far as like boston red sox winning a world series or whatever some of these things sure we can go to documentary footage and see like the actual footage of them winning the game and all that but the stories behind all of those things is what i would be interested in uh what what they were what they were thinking what they who they were talking to what was the idea there's all these great stories especially like when you talk when you um when you hear about how greg maddox uh went out 
uh, you know, when he'd go to pitch, sometimes he knew he didn't have it, mm. and he'd be, he'd tell outfielders where to be because he knew that the ball was going to go yeah. deeper than usual yeah. and all those. I would love to see a whole movie of Greg Maddox being a magician as far as where the ball's going to go and all this other type of stuff when he pitches it and everything, like just make a story out of his life would be amazing to me. But that's um, interesting. <laughs> but, but like, but like, uh, and like he used to do all these things to cheat too. Like if they were playing in a wet field uh-huh. and somebody hit like an infield single, he'd tell the infielders to bring the ball in and just, and just like not make a big deal of it. Just put it back in his glove and he'd have a wet scratched up ball to pitch with on uh-huh. the next pitch, uh-huh. you know, and uh, so stuff like that. I would like to see some backstory of those big comebacks, like the Red Sox in 2004 against the Yankees and all. Well, sort what of- we're talking about is basically what Moneyball gave us, right? Where we got a little bit of baseball stuff, and there's a great story behind the sports on the field of that team, but we saw behind the scenes, and it, this is really the model of I think what you're what you're pitching is that we get to see good actors in the roles of these managers and players mm-hmm. and. GMs and and in that context, I want to see a Kurt Gibson home run. Yeah, which is uh, which is by the way, I I actually don't want to spoil this future movie, but if you ever want to uh, listen to like an amazing story, is Kurt Gibson how he ended up getting that at bat in that World Series? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, because he had to really fight for it, right? He really had to fight yeah. for it, and he and uh, and like uh, I guess. Uh, there were there were some people in the dugout who heard him in the in the dugout like uh hitting balls off tees and stuff like that <laughs> and just like you just hear this thwack thwack and he's and and yeah he really had to fight to get into that and and uh the a's didn't think there was any way he would be in the game the fact that he looks horrible on every pitch before the home run <laughs> is i mean it's a miracle that thing went out yeah um but um Moneyball is another good one uh, to talk about because the the source material on that is talking about a way that the A's uh, were able to compete in a world where the Yankees and the Red Sox and all these people can pay their their guys hundreds of millions of dollars. And um, one of the, the sort of the mistakes of the source material is that they don't pay any attention to the pitchers that are in on the A's team, Tim Hudson, Mark, Mark Mulder, and Barry Zito were the uh, were top of the line in their prime pitchers at the time. And uh, the movie, I, I actually had read the book before watching the movie, and I had forgotten about that. So when I was watching the movie, I was like, "Where's Tim Hudson? Where's Mark Mulder and all these guys? They they helped, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the, that's one of the big failings of Moneyball is that they don't go over the pitchers and everything and like the the you know the hitting was i I don't know like i i think i read somebody say that their hitting wasn't any any like was one of the worst in the league or whatever that year but we see all those great hits and everything but that wasn't the point of moneyball really the point of moneyball was just to try to find uh anomalies in the system Mm -hmm. and try to compete um it wasn't a system by which everybody can just be frugal and hope to win games and stuff like that. But that was the thing about Moneyball that always bothered me. They never, you know, they never bothered to do with the pitchers. Yeah. And that's yeah. one they of the most important things yeah. in the whole thing. Um, <laughs> you were talking about golf movies uh, and Happy Gilmore, which is, of course, um, is a is a broad comedy by every oh yeah <laughs> by every that movie of, is absurd. Yes, it is. Um, so we're not looking for. 
uh, accurate golf in Happy Gilmore <laughs> by any means. But once it gets to the point, there's a couple of things that bother me. And I think Tin Cup does this too, although Tin Cup uh, is a little bit more understandable. In Happy Gilmore, the, the thing about Adam Sandler's character about Happy Gilmore is that he can launch these balls 400 yards when he drives. Uh-huh. He can get close, but he has no putting skills whatsoever. And that's the big problem with Happy Gilmore. But then there's a part in the end where he's like, Happy learned how to putt. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, if you learned how to putt, then shouldn't you be racing away with this tournament yeah. at the end? Because you can drive it 400 yards. You're like John Daly back in the day. And now you know how to putt. You should be hitting stuff in two every single time, pretty much. Meanwhile, like, you know, Christopher McDonald's character is just like playing his normal. He's exactly like the Don Johnson character yeah. Yeah. in Tin Cup. Yeah. Um, is playing his conservative, you know, whatever. And he's somehow staying with... This guy, and it's the same thing with, you know, with uh, Kevin Costner and Tin Cup. He sort of learns how to control his emotions. He can drive better than anybody in that movie. But he's he's still somehow Don Johnson's keeping up with him in that. All yeah. But it's mainly a big it's the biggest thing in Happy Gilmore to me because they make a huge deal about it. Happy learned how to putt. And like. <laughs> That whole that whole final round is oh full of some crazy ass shit. Well, and there's a part where like uh, that tower falls down. Yes, and they yes. and 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 uh, and Christian McDonald is like is like he's like huh I had to I had to hit it off Frankenstein's foot so <laughs> so he's gonna have to hit it with the tower in front of him and the guy's like I'm afraid he's right that's the rules and, and I'm like bullshit that's the rules <laughs> there is that. When the when he hits the ball on basically Jaws, Richard, uh, what's his name from, uh, uh, from James Bond. James yeah. Bond, when he hits it, hits it on his foot, that's his fault. The tower is not Happy Gilmore's no. fault. Of course he does. Plus know. he's been run over by a fucking Volkswagen yeah. that's been <laughs> driving down the fairway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think any there's, of this is above the board. There's no security at this big, huge <laughs> tournament. And uh, But then, you know, of course, because he's played mini golf before, he finds a way to hit the ball. I've seen this. <laughs> he hits the ball through the tower, and it, it's like, boom, and goes right in the hole. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, man. Well, uh, in real golf, I can tell you um, – you know, you get to drop off cart paths and water spigots, and if you're too close to the grandstands, you get to drop away. Like, yeah. they, there's a lot they would they would give you leniency for, and they would certainly not make you putt through a tower yeah, yeah. <laughs> or hit a ball off of a shoe. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, but yeah, those those are some of those weird things about sports movies to me and i'm glad we talked about this today i wanted to mention i think i mentioned it prior but i think kevin costner has one of the best track records with sports movies yeah yeah um, for the love of the game the sam raimi masterpiece is how in the world maybe, that guy made it's maybe the only exception <laughs> but from bull durham to field of dreams mm-hmm. to tin cup even fucking McFarlane USA, where he's a running coach in Texas, <laughs> yeah. is a good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think he gets enough credit for you know his commitment. Now, he's an athlete. He loves sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's probably part of it. But I don't know that there's anybody that's been in more sports movies that were good than him. 
Yeah. If there's anything you should take out of the Sincast today is that Kevin Costner is underrated. You're going to get ripped for that. Probably. Yeah, probably so. so <laughs> did you see Draft Day? That was terrible. I think that was one I forgot to mention. I thought Draft Day was good. Draft Day was oh, compelling. Oh my God, I cannot agree with you what? on this. Really? Holy shit, Draft Day is infuriating. Well, yeah, no, it's it's certainly not the most logically sound. Oh <laughs> my God, that's the reason why it sucks so bad, though. <laughs> because of the way the picks work out. Dude, look, like, I could not get on board in draft day with the whole, like, he trades the picks and then, like, he guilt trips those guys into giving him the picks back yeah. because there's not one GM who really cares about what the fans say about their move at all, ever. And, like, in this movie, you're the whole thing relies on, like, you know, and then he gets that one guy, I can't remember the... So he gets that one guy to just give him the pick. I Jacksonville. Yeah. It's the, the brand new GM. He's the like, brand new guy. Every year someone comes out looking like a donkey. Don't let it be you. Yeah. 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 He guilt trips him into <laughs> uh, none of those trades would have happened. No, in no. Not even the initial one that starts the whole movie. Now, I guess if you can look past all of that, it's a good movie. I just, oh my God, that infuri- some leaps infuriated me. So I enjoyed much. it. Yeah. But. Anyway, yeah. for those of you out there that think we agree with each other too much, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> we got. Uh, I've got a got, couple of questions. We got if questions, you want to do okay? Some. Question, question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I'm listening. Okay, so uh, our first question is less movie question, more YouTube. Is there anything you guys enjoy watching on YouTube? It being your primary platform and all. And the reason I found this compelling is that being kind of like the music guy and music video guy is I watch, listen to almost all of my music on YouTube these days. Yeah. And it's, it's such an easy and convenient when we were building the studio here, uh, Chris basically had YouTube on the whole time playing, uh, let's play a killer's track list or let's play like uh, a, a Diddy playlist or something (laughs) like that. Generally the music was better than that, but yeah, I mean, it's basically my primary, um, if I want to look up something, I want to look up the, uh, the shaky tail feather uh, video from Bad Boys Two. Then I'm going to YouTube, and that's that's basically what I what I do with uh, with YouTube mostly. Well, I definitely do that. I, I haven't bought a CD uh, in ten years. I don't have iTunes. I don't have MP3s that I've downloaded or bought. If I want to hear a song, I go to YouTube. But no, I use it as a jukebox for sure. Uh, I think the intent of the question is more of content that we watch for personal enjoyment. Um, yeah. This is going to be a disappointing answer. Um, A, I'm too busy to watch a lot of it. B, a lot of the content that I would watch, I I now intentionally don't watch. And that's stuff like How It Should Have Ended or Honest Trailers, people that play in the same field we do, movie-related humor, because I don't ever want to unconsciously steal a joke or make a similar observation. And so I don't watch those guys' videos until well after we've touched that movie. Um... And I always talk about that A14 studio or whatever it is that does these. Just just go to YouTube and search for Matrix in 60 seconds. They do these little hand-drawn yeah, black and white. Um, and they do little Sims non-voices vocalizations. We're like, ah! And uh, they're really funny. They're <laughs> Russian guys. Uh, so I always try to promote that channel because it doesn't have anywhere near the subscribers it deserves. Uh, but even that guy's stuff, I haven't been able to watch recently. I'm just I'm just too busy. If I have time to watch videos for fun, I should be writing sins. I'm the exact same way. Um, I don't watch as much as I used to. We both used to watch a lot with Real SEO and all that. Um, I used to watch. Now, 
if you if you want to frame it this way, what I used to watch a lot was like Vsauce and Minute Physics and um, CGP Grey and uh, just all those like little sciencey, facty, you know, type of YouTube things. I used to when we were doing really SEO stuff, I used to just sit there for like an hour and watch Vsauce and Minute Physics and and CGP Grey because uh, they were just endlessly entertaining and mm. educational and all that um and and so that's what i used to watch most of but yeah and besides that yeah music videos and stuff like mm. that or where, where i get a lot but yeah i'm the same way i don't watch as much as i used to i used to watch a lot of freddie wong or corridor digital like special effects shorts people mm-hmm. um i don't have i don't have a lot of time but i did see a corridor digital one a month or so ago where they had done They'd used a drone somehow to film their own TIE fighter battle. It was pretty amazing, That's actually, awesome. <laughs> uh, because they they mounted they they mounted this thing on the front of the drone that looked like uh, an X wing cockpit. Oh, nice! So you're looking through like you're the pilot, and I don't, anyway, they're really good at what they do. I met them once in Florida um, at a playlist live event, but anyway, yeah. It, uh, short answer is we don't have as much time as we used to. We'll close it out with this one. In your opinion, who is the best rapper turned actor? Hmm. And the example that they use is, of course, you can think of Will Smith by default, but you look into Common, he's great. Hmm. Um, I have an easy answer for this one. And most people maybe listening to this forget that he was a rapper, but it's Mark Wahlberg. Hmm. Ah. And he is, it's it's weird with Mark Wahlberg, and I, we could go on forever about this. He seems to have like an acting switch, mm-hmm. and he'll turn it on, he'll be terrific in something and then he'll turn it off and he'll just coast yeah. through something else. And, but when he's on, he's terrific. I mean, you look at boogie nights, you look at, uh, uh, fear, uh, from, uh, from the nineties. Like he's, he's a really, really good actor. And, uh, he was a not really, really good rapper back when he was Marky Mark. Feel it, feel it. Yes. He was feeling the vibrations. And I had that whole album actually. And I listened to the crap out of it. Well, he his did brother cover... was one of the new kids, right? Uh huh. Yeah. Donnie. Yeah. He did a rap of, I think it was a, a hit actually of uh, a cover of Lou Reed's uh, Walk on the Wild Side. Oh. And that was his second follow up hit for Good Vibrations. Interesting. And, uh, but anyway, yeah. So he, uh, he turned out to be a very good actor. Though. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's most deaf. Yeah, um, yeah, that's good a good call. one. Yeah, uh, the there was a time uh, where Most Def had the um, it was the mid two thousands this last decade mm. where he was in a ton of stuff. Yeah, I don't know if he's gotten disenfranchised with the whole acting thing. He's still in things, but it's not like as much as he used to be. But I thought he was great in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, even though I don't really like that movie. Um, but he's also in that uh, that Kevin Bacon. Um, a very tough movie called The Woodsman, uh, oh. where he where Kevin Bacon gets out of jail for being a child molester. Oh, um, but uh, he's good in that too, uh, and I, I loved him on all the little things they put him in on Chappelle's show too, because yeah. uh, he could because he would be not only he would he would play like just regular like some random character here and there, but he would also do performances and stuff at the yeah. end of the shows, yeah, and everything. Uh, he was I, in the Haters Ball, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he was. I think he was. And he was in that uh, racial draft one. Uh-huh, yeah. um, um, but he he's he's really good. And like, I don't know. I, I feel like he must have just gotten because he hasn't. I'm looking at his IMDb now. He was in that Be Kind Rewind. Uh, hey, well, Be Kind movie. Rewind. He was yeah, really was good fun. in that, too. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, I feel like that's a guy when I was watching him back then. I was like, this guy's on the trajectory to possibly get an Oscar down the road. Mm-hmm. 
because that's how I think like if you put him in the right thing, he could have gotten one. Yeah. But either he's not he doesn't like acting as much as he used to or they're not casting him anything. But I thought he's terrific. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. What's interesting is that you guys have both named people from um, the Italian job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so I want to answer like Donald Sutherland. Yeah, he's a badass rapper. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure totally. he's ever badass rapped. Rapper. Totally. Yeah. If there's anybody else in that movie who ever rapped, that's my answer. Uh, also, <laughs> Charlize Theron. Does uh, doesn't Donald Glover rap? Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. He would be Childish uh, Gambino. He would be my like my rookie of the year answer to this question because mm-hmm. he hasn't done tons of acting yet, but he's great on Community. He was great in The Martian. Um, I think he's really funny. He's going to be in the new Spider-Man movie mm-hmm. as some kind of character. Um, and of course, I just watched Eight Mile yesterday, and that's the only Eminem acting performance I think that counts. Uh, yeah, sure is great at playing himself. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, assuming that's how it all really went, really went down. Uh, I don't really know how to answer this question. I because I'm going to go with God. People who know I hate Fast and Furious are going to hate me, but Ludacris. Yeah, because I yeah just Ludacris like, is great. Yeah. I love Ludacris. Well, and when he comes on screen in anything, it makes me smile. He's got that voice, he man. He does. It just he's sounds in, so great. He's in Crash, and he he's is. good uh-huh. in Crash. Uh-huh. You know? um, so, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, hold that against you. I would also probably honorable mentions a P. Diddy, because we talked about him before, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and get him to the Greek. Yeah. And, and uh, Maid, Maid, he's actually very and good, Maid too. And Maid, he's good. Um, he doesn't act a lot, but when he has, when he has, uh, acted, it's been fun. He may be the best part of that. Get him to the Greek. Oh yeah. He's, he's he definitely, definitely the funniest is. part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I'm a mod. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say my honorable mention would be ice cube. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. He, oh, uh, he has destroyed, uh, any role he's he's been in since yeah. Friday, really. I yeah. mean, you know, Friday was was less of a reach for and him, but like probably, he's really gone at it. Probably should deserve more than honorable mention, really. To be to, to be honest, that's the longest career of any of the people we've talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Wahlberg. I mean, he's got it, franchises. I mean, he's got yeah. the barbershop. He's got the Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah. He's, he's just yeah. He's now, awesome. now, you know, are we there yet? Uh, certainly knocks him down a peg. But yes, that knocks everybody down. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. Anybody who even knows about that. But movie. even even at, when he was doing press for that, like he was basically like he wasn't apologizing for it, but he was just like. Man, go see it, I guess. That movie made money. They made a sequel. <laughs> yeah, like, we're yeah, joking exactly. about it not being good, but that movie made money. I think it became yeah. a series, too, on TV. Yeah, I think they did. Yeah, they series. made it. Are, are We There Yet and Are We Done Yet yeah. came out after that. And yeah, it did make money and all that. But that made some, just because something that makes money doesn't mean it's not immoral yeah. to make it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Michael Bay. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, Ice Cube, uh, Boys in the Hood's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, if you really want to if we're talking a lot of B-movies and stuff and all that, I would also go see the movie Trespass, if you can find it. Really fun movie. Um, with him in it. I don't remember Trespass. You don't remember it? Well, I would uh, recommend seeing it because I remember when it came out, I was like, I don't know, it's, does, that looks stupid or whatever. And I saw it recently, and it's it's really good. Just as a quick update to the audience, even it, we get a lot of feedback of saying like, oh, you recommended this movie, and I watched it, and it was awesome. And we really appreciate that and keep it coming, but we're actually doing that ourselves. So when we uh, recorded that podcast of selling each other movies, uh, Jeremy sold Locke so hard 
that Chris and I literally watched it that night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think Jeremy did too. Did. And we all absolutely loved it. And then Chris sold that movie Sorcerer, which I watched last night, and it's genius. It's absolutely fantastic. So we're we're playing along with you. So uh, I'm going to watch Trespass. I've uh, got uh, a Fear of a Black Hat sitting on my on the top of my stack of DVDs yeah. on my desk. So nice. it's coming soon. Nice. Yep. And I saw Nymphomaniac Volume 1. Yeah, what'd you think? Yeah, I thought it was all right. Yeah. Yeah. Good more, more than you expected. Yeah, probably. more than I expected. Yeah, yeah sure. All right. Well, that's going to be the Sincast for uh, this week. Uh, continue go to going to SoundCloud and giving us your opinions, comments, questions, and all that and whatever, and telling us how much we suck or are great. We can take both of them. Anyway, that'll be the that, <laughs> there you go. Um, that'll be the that'll be the sin guest for this week. Finally in a studio. Um, uh, so signing off. This is Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. I love my dead gay son. <laughs> yeah. I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. I wanted to be a chemical engineer, making 50 to 55,000 a year. You're right, Rico. It's just a game. Do you mean sleepover? Yeah. <laughs> okay. But I get to be on top. Girl, you look so good, somebody ought to put you on a plate and sock you up with a biscuit.